We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. A hello, and welcome to the 31st episode of the Looks Like We're Lost podcast. I'm Dustin Redazel. One half of the Lost Boys, and joining me is the better half. Although he's afraid of space travel, it's Tommy Cooksey. <laughs> you know it. Love being one of the Lost Boys. Can I be Rufio? Rufio. You can. I mean, do you really remember uh, any of the others' names? I remember like the fat guy and like the annoying yeah. kid, Robin Williams. But really, it's Peter yeah, Pan. The names. It's 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 Rufio and it's Pan. Yeah, I don't think I remember any other ones. I wonder if they even had names. I want to say Tum Tum. They but did. I want to say Tum Tum, but I think that's from Three Ninjas. <laughs> As I say, I just start naming them all after characters in the Sandlot. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, there was Yeah Yeah and Ham. <laughs> yeah, you look like a duck. <sighs> ah, good to be back. Good to see you with a Topo Chico living a very capitalist first lifestyle it is a semi-charmed life over here with this lemon lime man it's amazing (sighs) that that bottle isn't in primary colors it's just well you know what's more amazing is that i wouldn't know because i'm colorblind so don't trigger me yeah topo chico the topo chico logo should be a big red elephant that's the way i look at it yeah instead it actually uh, it looks like a native person drinking from a stream. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does that does have a more refreshing ambiance. There, yeah, I don't know about a giant red elephant. Not sure what signal they'd be sending there. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Well, man, do you just want to uh, get right into Richard Branson shoving off into space and like? Being so detached from the needs of everyday people <laughs> that he's he's actually leaving the planet. Yeah, you know what? It's it seems like a natural carry on from our last conversation of what is wealth. Um, well, there's no question this guy is rich. Yeah, I mean, he 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 ticks all the boxes from for wealthy. Probably probably uh, once. Less than he has, which is maybe arguable because he just went to outer space or just, what is it? It's not outer space. It's like, I don't know, it's like just uh, beyond. He wasn't floating. Low orbit? Yeah, High like, orbit? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. You know, there, there was a guy that parachuted from where he was probably, the stratosphere. So maybe it's not that impressive. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't think he... I don't think he like wants for nothing. It, him being in outer space is like somebody saying, "Like, hey, Richard, I think your reach exceeds your grasp." And he's like, "Watch me grasp, yeah, the stars." Well, you know what? He he really he really embraces. I, I think what happened was back when he was really active on Facebook, he came across somebody's um, 
weekend uh, upload of all their portraits of having a good time over the weekend and the and and it was titled reach for the moon because even if you fail you'll end up among the stars and he mm. really just took that to heart i think he's he probably has that tattooed on him he heard that and he's like wow that is profound that's the embodiment of what i want to do with uh that's with real virgin. profound <laughs> with virgin <laughs> um yeah let, let's let's go into it because do you have the 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 uh the well, I guess it's an Instagram of the tweet. I do, which is an interesting. How do you feel about people like, look, we both love Adam Grant and he yep. takes this approach. Yeah. How do you feel about people whose Instagram profile is just screen captures of their Twitter profile? The caveat is this was not this person's actual. This was a screen capture of someone else's tweet. It wasn't their own yes. tweet, but. Yep, yep, yep. I, I used to really it used to bother me when people would put words in Instagram because it felt like it was intended for pictures. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. It's it's sort of a marketing engine. You, you want to deliver your message and you have some people that like it doesn't bother me. I'm fine with it. Yep. I'm fine with it. I actually. Yeah, I actually kind of find it mostly probably because I don't use Twitter really. Yeah, right. I. I find it kind of nice. It's clean. It's like, don't, don't make me click that little more button on the caption. Just Mm-mm. like get it right there into the main, the main eye socket. It's clean. It right. It's bold. It's 150 characters or less. I think that's still the limit. Maybe it's more now. I, I haven't been on the Twitters in a while. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's there's a limit, which is good. We life needs an editor. You know, it's true. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I do have this tweet. So background, Tommy and I are texting, messaging, using one of the many digital connective platforms that keep us together. And uh, he's, he's asking me about how should we feel? Should we, should we be excited that Richard Branson went to space? And I'm like, well, I'm excited, you know, to his well-being greatly expanded by technological leaps yes what did more for people's comfort in life the iphone or the war on drugs that's the kind of false dichotomy this tweet's throwing out there so did you read and the tommy vehemently I'm, I'm about to okay. tommy vehemently disagreed with my take so i'm a i'm anti this tweet tommy is pro this tweet well let me let me say my opinion has has morphed even in just you know the short twenty seven hours since we shared that message. Flip flopper, I know, right? Flopping, I'm not going to make a good politician. Go ahead, re- read the tweet, and then I'll tell you how it changed. Here's the tweet, Jamie. Pull this up from Ben O'Keefe. He him, as found on uh, the Progressivists' IG profile. Imagine if billionaires were competing to eradicate world hunger instead of racing to space. Honestly, I would settle for them just paying taxes before building spaceships. I roll emoji. Yeah. So let me say this. This was sent to me. I don't I don't follow any of these accounts that are uh, that are that have obvious bias that aren't for like self-improvement type bias. But it was shared with me and I was like, oh, I get it. I understand the sentiment. As we just said, life needs an editor. Twitter 
Jack Dorsey edit edits life for us, sometimes in more ways than one, maybe. And it's it, it it is too reductive, and it's a false sort of a false parallel because I think both can be. Now that I look at it, and I've had some time to be with this, it's like it's just too reductive, and it and it just is just appealing to people's emotions that would agree with this. And both can be true at the same time, both going to space and paying taxes. And then today, I was on a call with about a hundred of my closest German colleagues. And one of these guys was actually, is actually not even a, a colleague. He is a... Um, uh, uh, newscaster for the stock market broadcast back in Germany. He moved over here in the '90s. Started started like in the Bear Stevens. Like he was like part of the '90s stock market, stock exchange. And you know he he said this thing, and it's because we he, the whole the whole concept of this conversation or the whole premise of the conversation was having kind of a poke fun at how Germans view American culture. And how Americans, vice versa, uh, view German culture, and how there's this, there's these major cultural differences, and etc. And he said, you know, one thing remains true. Oh, go ahead. Well, to say? Sorry, I really interrupted the flow. But you know, one thing that's not different about Germany and America is, for about a century now, we have both thought that we are number one. That is true. Now. I'd like to point to the scoreboard, but yeah, well, you, you know, you you know, those losses didn't change any German's mind about where they actually stand in the world power ranking. I was really impressed. They have like the fourth largest economy in the world. I didn't know that. I did not know that. Oh, they're banging over there. They're just doing it. But anyway, he what he what he said, and he's like, you know, this was true in the '90s, and this I think is still true today. To in order to succeed in America, and I'm gonna paraphrase it a little bit. He's like, you gotta have a pursuit, you gotta have grit and willingness to work hard, and you gotta be an optimist. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I, I I get it, I do get it. This is a guy who came here in the '90s, and now that is simplistic. We talked about it last week. There are some people that are born into a different situation where you know how how they're raised what they see around them is just vastly different than an immigrant who came over here in the 90s with a dream but it sort of sh- it it made me think in addition to what you said it's like do i think it's an absolute waste of money for um like branson and musk to spend all this time shooting rockets into space and traveling into space i don't know kind of i do We've already done it. We we did it like seventy years ago. Like, if what they're doing is that much better, what? Why is it still costing billions and billions of dollars? Like, we've already done this. Back when we didn't even have the internet. Back when we didn't, we still had the only way to talk to somebody was maybe through a phone and then mail. But I also think that similar to what what we just said, like shooting for the stars or whatever, shooting for the moon and end up among the stars. 
groundbreaking things do come from stretching the outer limits of what we know and what we think we're capable of. And ergo, if they're trying to figure out how to get people to outer space, they're going to develop some technology that can then be moved and put to autonomous vehicles or safer uh, plane transportation. I don't know, but I, I ended up falling more in the middle than I was when I first sent it over to you. Yeah, I think I think there's a few things to unpack here, and uh, I will water down my argument by making too many arguments. Right. <laughs> but I, I first want to say the whole pessimism versus optimism thing and like the value of being an optimist is something I've really come around to in the last few years. Like pessimism... It's mostly good to protect you from looking stupid. But once you once you've kind of built enough emotional stability and you feel like you've researched your perspective enough, it's actually kind of an encumbrance. Yeah. And optimism is a lot more beneficial for opening up opportunities, for getting your getting you to just go after things, to try stuff, to expand your worldview. Yeah. It's like I don't I don't actually think pessimism is that beneficial. It just kind of it's like good for being cool. And yeah, same we're with in like, our middle, yeah, we're in put, our middle ages now. Like put cynicism cool. right there with pessimism, right? It's like it's like oh, this is how you f- appear to not care, right? Yeah. The the other thing about like pushing the boundaries, like when you talk about space travel, yeah, it doesn't have any obvious practical uh, application to people like you and I right now, right? Right, but. If there's one kind of unifying thing that human beings have always been the best at, it is taking matter and converting it to energy. Like, we do that better than any species we know of. And whether that is like, hey, what kind of food should I eat? Well, (laughs) crushing this thing up and putting it into your digestive tract is better for energy and long-term, what do they call lifespan, long-term vitality than that food. And we do this across like everything, whether it's natural resources, coal versus oil. But what we're really talking about is how do we just like bend the universe to our will? And like splitting the atom was the most powerful version of that we've seen to date like we could we could break the universe at the molecular level and the energy yield that gave us was incredible and if we learned anything it's that the energy we need to sustain human life is in every single molecule of air around us like the problem isn't do we have enough resources we've got we have way more resources than we'd ever need. We just don't know how to access it all yet. And so if we only look at what human innovation is through the lens of practicality, we're cheating ourselves out of the eventual potential of our species and, and everything that it means to even exist. 
So, like, I don't want to get caught up judging some weirdos for being out there on, like, the final frontier. Like, go for it, man. Like, try to find the most powerful, efficient, safe forms of travel you can. Like, try to invent some sort of new, like, jargon for the polymer combinate uh, flux capacitor fuel thing that you need. And to your point, like, it'll... (laughs) Reaganomics on us. It'll trickle down the technology, (laughs) you know? So, like, that's fine. And for anybody who wants to be like, well, you're you're basically hoping. Like, that's that doesn't have anything to do with solving real pain right now. I hear that. Um, That becomes a much more complicated issue. So, for example, right, uh, in the tweet, this O'Keefe character says, imagine if billionaires were competing to eradicate world hunger instead of racing to space. What, let's say that Richard Branson actually had a cash flow of $265 billion a year which is the rough estimate of the first return on Google (laughs) to to cure world hunger. There you go. Let's say he had it. What does he get? Like, what is the benefit to Richard Branson for solving everybody's hunger? You know, it's funny that you said that. That that was the other piece of that, that, that I was like that I had to go back and pause because we still fall back into, okay, well, if, if he was trying, let's say he was trying to eradicate world hunger and maybe he's, maybe he is putting money in places that we don't know. I mean, I don't, I have no idea what, what, what these guys do. I mean, I know what I can do with what money I make. I can't imagine what you can do with, you know, $265 billion approximately according to the first Google search. But even if he was trying to eradicate hunger, there would still be people in this world who would say, oh, the vanity. How dare, how dare he focus on this continent or this country before that country or that continent? It, you know, and it's like, so it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, I found out the but other seriously, day. What's the benefit? What, what would be, I mean, what would I be good for Richard Branson about it? Uh, in, in the, in the long term, his legacy would be the, probably the only thing like, and if, and if, but then, but you, but it, it goes back to our conversation from last week, the people who are getting to that level of wealth or that level of being rich, sure, they have a bigger vision, but they are, they, they are not thinking necessarily about being a benefactor because <laughs> in order to get to sail to that level of wealth. You're thinking about usually number one. Well, I only I only bring up the benefit thing because, like, what we're actually t- like, what people are trying to do when they like har- harass so funny to think harass billionaires. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a camp billionaire over here. It's such an unpopular place to be. <laughs> it's an unpopular place. <laughs> what you're doing when you harass billionaires is you're saying like there is a code to how you should spend your money. 
And if you have more than this, it should go over here. Yeah, I mean, but if yeah. you don't, if, I, yeah, I, I would say I, I. So that tweet does say that, and I and I would say not necessarily. I disagree with the part that says basically you should be spending it on this. I, you know, I would be okay if you spent it on this. The part that I do generally agree with more is, and we talked about this last week. We don't need to go back into it, but the level of ability to find loopholes in the tax code at that level of wealth with that level of business and different diversified assets far and above exceeds what you or I could even imagine doing. So while I disagree with the first part, yeah, you spend that money however you want. If you want to, you know, if you want to fly to outer space, do it and figure out. And, and then you stretch the outer limits of what we think is possible as a human race. And then you bring that back and we can improve the human race. But the the tax, the taxing part is where I'm like, well, it's, it's, there's an unfair, I'm going to sound like I'm complaining. There's an unfair advantage at that level. Um, and it's harder to catch. Like, I mean, you, you heard the statistic that someone who's considered, you know, someone who makes less than like $50,000 is four times more likely to be audited by the IRS than someone that makes over like a million dollars or something like this. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I can I can disagree with part of it and partially agree with some of it. I wasn't as, once I once I sat with it a little bit, I wasn't as uh, convicted about the the message that it was being sent. Yeah, and I'm not trying to like, actually turn this into like crossfire here (laughs) like i don't i don't really i am happy for you to stand wherever you stand on it yeah i just i just feel like there is a lack of personal thoughtfulness and accountability so like what i'm coming around to on that is like if you start thinking that you have the moral authority to tell someone else how they spend their money then like your house better be in damn good order. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because like I plan on not spending a whole lot of my money because I have like eventualities for my children's college tuition, for example. And I don't want them to have any student loan debt, which, you know, $1.6 trillion of that, like, when you talk about the national debt and the student loan debt and what, why, is, why do we have such a complicated tax code, it's because everybody who's responsible for protecting the tax code is in a place of deficit to business. And so if we really wanted to get serious about enforcing the tax code, we would need to find a way to deleverage the U.S. government, which yeah. we, I, I don't think anybody has any good plans for that. Right. Right. And like no billionaire can pay off seven trillion dollars right. of debt or whatever we're up to now. I think we're we might have hit ten by now. The the whole thing becomes this complicated morass. And so you essentially have to say, I no longer believe in the individual's uh, individual's freedom to control their own finances. Like that's really where you have to get. And otherwise, you lean to the tax code. You lean to scaled percentages. And beyond that, 
go nuts. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. Like almost more than anything else in this, in this world, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Sometimes I am. It is very hard not to be. Like you just run into it from time to time. Yep. But like I just feel like an asshole when I say like that guy needs to spend the money the way I think he should spend the money. Yeah. And that's, that's even before I get to like, you know, the, the prognosticating I did prior about like you need people out there trying stuff. You need big money invested in the sciences for real innovation. And no matter how smart they are, like two dudes tinkering with a $20,000 budget in their garage are not going to crack astrophysics. Right. They can't run the, they can't run the tests. Right. So I'm for it, man. I'm glad he's out there. I'm glad there's a space race. I'm, I, I like the optimism it implies. Is there a level of... Like, I'm with you, Dick. Is there a level of bravado or machismo that's driving this that like a pissing match? Yeah, but that's, this is why I, I said like, what's the benefit, right? Yeah. Like if you're, if you're Richard Branson and it's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cure world hunger, you better hope he cares about his legacy because there is no other drive. Right. You, like you just want him to be like a really good guy, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, like, what, what's he going to get? More fame, more respect. Like, at, at a certain level, like, that stuff doesn't stick. Like, his life is what he makes it because the money turns all the keys. Well, in, in, yeah, I totally get it. And I, I was thinking about, the, as I was putting this all in my head together, I was like, even someone like, Bill Gates, who has not had the best, you know, 18 months. Bill Gates has had a, yeah, he's, had a he's, he's, he's had a rough 18 months. Poor guy. I'm sure he's crying himself to sleep in his trampoline room. That, remember that was like the coolest thing? Like you were like, oh, every room adjusts to your temperature and he has a trampoline room. Like that was, like, you know, as a kid, you're like, that's awesome. A trampoline room can't be beat. You know what I was thinking about with Bill Gates is the Gary Goldman skit. Oh, I love that skit. Where, yeah. Some pocket change. Where Bill Gates, yeah, Bill Gates is condescending to Donald Trump about keeping track of the decimal point on his billions. Yeah. And I was just thinking, what a weird world that now we're like five years after that skit. And like, I kind of feel bad for Bill Gates. So bad. It's like, it's like dude, your life is not great. It's not, it's not good. But he, here's what I was going to say is, and you, you may or may not know this, but I, I want to say Bill Gates owns more U.S. farmland than anybody else. I heard that. I think privately owned. Privately owned farmland. And yeah. apparently he, he provides like all the French fries, carrots, and onions for McDonald's. Yeah, so, I love that. So it's like, I don't, I don't know, man. It's like even if this guy was working to eradicate world hunger, he just took – Took all this farmland and he's like, "No, baby, no." <laughs> this is gonna... you know what I love. You know what I love about that is it sounds like the made-up professions, 
like stupid young guys tell girls when they're hitting on them. Oh yeah, it's yeah, like uh, yeah. yeah, my dad owns my dad owns all the potato farms that supplies McDonald's <laughs> with the French fries, so I'm pretty well off. Yeah, like can you imagine? Can you imagine the uh, the Hunt family <laughs> like just walking around, yeah. walking around Kansas City? They're like, yeah, yeah. You know, tomatoes, they're pretty big in my family. <laughs> like a peen, like a me. <laughs> it's just yeah, amazing. I don't know, man. You know, it's one of those – and this, there, there's a reason – one of the primary reasons – we talked about social media and, like, it is what you make of it. And, you know, I stay away from these, like, highly polarizing, you know, accounts that are that are, like – this is so obviously the only way to think. You gotta believe in this camp because emotionally, I, I read, I read that, and it's you know, it's a nanosecond. I I read that tweet and I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. I'm gonna forward it to Dusty, and then I sit with it for a second and I'm like, nah, that's, I get it, but it's not. It's too reductive. But if all you do is follow accounts like this. It's just a steady stream. It's like holding you down. Like you can never rise above it. You're always going to think that way. And it becomes the echo chamber. Like this is the way to think people that don't people. How could people not see these tweets and just get it? You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't either. It's, I think it's partially one. The format doesn't work for me. You know, I, I just, I used to say this about, well, I guess I still say about reading books and listening to books. Yeah. It's like, I don't have the time to do a full attention format like reading a book. I love when I can. We're getting ready to go on a vacation in a couple of weeks. I've got the three body problems, sci-fi novel I've been pretty jacked up about. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually going to read it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. But for the, for my everyday life, like I don't have the bandwidth to do something that requires me to both hold and stare. What is it? I've got to do other things. What is and it the for phone that requires me that? to hold and stare. What is it for people that can do that? Because I know people that read like a book a week, and maybe they're not. You know, they they might be more novels, but yeah, a book a week like I that's that's insane. The only way I would do that is if I traded out, if I, the, the, really the only thing I could trade out is the nightly time that Katie and I, we watch TV for about 90 minutes yeah. before we go to bed. Yeah. That's the only time, that's only the know, time I can find. When it's not podcast night. Yes, you're damn right when it's not podcast night. <laughs> Sorry, baby. Better do the laundry tonight. I'm going to do a podcast. <laughs> but... Yeah, if it otherwise like that would be it. And like then, you know, we're talking about uh what? 10 to 12 hours a week I could read. Yeah. Um but you know, I I like something that both Katie and I can mutually consume. Totally and, couldn't agree more. And that's the TV and we're even though it's like not a dynamic interaction, we're both there like we're frequently like pausing and talking about like, can you, can you believe this character? Yeah. What a, what a terrible decision. The number of times she's had to hear me go on a diatribe, a diatribe about 
how most TV plot is just driven by bad human communication. <laughs> just like, you know, they're just not talking. I really don't think they're I ever just... want to watch anything other than sports with you, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> I can see how that'd be a little bit of a drag. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But, but yeah, the... I think there is a real a real danger in what was it? There's an Adam Grant uh post recently that said how people with outside interests, the data suggests they're actually more engaged yeah. in their work. Yeah. And I think a lot of even a book which is you know, generally lauded as a good thing to spend your time on. Even a book is escapism. And too much escapism is dangerous for a person for a lot of reasons. It just, like, keeps you off kilter with the real world. It it automatically means a lack of presence, which we kind of talked about the benefit of presence mm-hmm. last week. Uh, and most... This is well documented, right? The the phone screen is like it's a drug like any other. You just pick it up and you get away. And escapism at its heart is just like self-medication for a world that you're either not interested in, it doesn't have much for you, or at worst, like you actively don't like being part of. And those those aspects of it can be a lot of things, right? It, some of it is, like, not really bad. It's like, well, I'd rather read a book than clean my room. Okay, so you have a messy room, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'd rather scroll my phone than go to coffee with a friend. Like, it's, it's difficult to, like, get out there and, like, it takes time and, you know, they're not that interesting, <laughs> right? But it's... It's choosing to to often run away from the moment, and you need some of that for balance. But so I, I don't want to point to one single thing, but I think when you're talking about these, uh, maybe it's political, maybe it's you know progressive conservative, which can branch outside of politics, but just like agenda media that is just trying to like keep you hooked on headlines and outrage and whatever it might be. They're just trying to find people who want to, who want to invest. Yeah. You know, they're trying to, they're trying to make each, each person who does get hooked on their phone into like a tiny little battery for their own tiny little economy. Maybe. And now, now who's being a pessimist? (laughs) What a drag. What a drag. <laughs> to, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, and, and this is, so to maybe put a bow on this whole thing, because we could, we took a hard, a hard left turn there, but. Sorry about that. No, dude, it's our podcast. I'm really exploring, I'm really exploring the space. We're dancing tonight. around tonight. We're just, we're just doing a little shadow I, boxing tonight. I was so inspired by Richard Branson being unhinged from gravity. I said, you know what? I'm not going to let these topics hold me down. You're floating, dude. I'm just going to get. I'm going to get out you, there. You are absolutely floating. Um, what what this guy, um, uh, this uh, German, um, 
reporter what he said. It was really it was the way he broke it down. He's like, you know, Americans like to take complex issues and break them down to their parts. Um, that there is a in in American culture there is very much an an appetite for and a willingness to fail. Mm-hmm. Um and and to not be led by fear and the it's so it was so funny listening to him talk he said he came to America and one of the first things he did he wanted he wanted to uh familiarize himself with the culture so he started to take jazz piano lessons. It's like what a what a novel wow. like what a novel thing like what a what a like what am I going to go move to Germany and pick up the um accordion like <laughs> the trombone <laughs> But he he said, you know, and it was a perfect euphemism. I'm like, this guy is definitely, I mean, you could tell he's, he's given these types of talks before, but he's like the beauty of, of jazz piano and jazz music is there's, there's a, there are rules to how you play it, but within the rules, there's a ton of freedom to just do whatever you want. A whole lot of making it up as you're going along. And even if you mess up, you can pick it up with the next frame. And it's like. I think we forget because we're in the American culture all the time that we do have this ingrained sense of just try stuff. Give it a shot. If it flops, it flops. You know, some of us are better at it than others. Um, but, you know, we, we said the, the, the stories of, of immigrants are so are such a great reminder of the fact that we live in a, a pretty solid nation. Despite our flaws, despite our problems, it's it's not. It doesn't suck. No, it doesn't suck. No, I do. There was something you mentioned to me recently, and it came off a podcast we recommended last week, which is "What Is Capitalism," mm-hmm. uh, the the Through Line podcast by NPR. Yeah, and is that. Capitalism in America is really oh, it was like he said nationalism. Yeah, in like the the maybe it was the twenties when when they began to you know the borders became a more you know I don't know the best way to say it more stringent about who who gets in who doesn't. It moved from pure capitalism, which is free flow of money. No, basically no state lines or country lines to more of a nationalist capitalist model. And the yeah. guy, the guy's, the guy's premise was, he's like, in my opinion, we should have a billion people in the U S and inventing everything. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, so yeah. No, I, I think that's an interesting idea. And I actually am pretty intrigued by the two camps when when educated like i've i've got no interest in the conversation about like a wall and people taking our jobs but like i am pretty interested in the higher end of the education about good and bad reasons for a more open immigration policy yeah that said i think the i think the nationalism idea about American capitalism is interesting because it's looking at capitalism as more of a more of an idealism like 
and money is more of an idealism. And I think the eighties is usually classified as like the time when it was just runaway, right? Like the Gordon Gecko greed is good. Mm-hmm. Like let's make money. And it feels like that tide is turning that whatever opinion there used to be that was just like writ large, like making money means you're a good American. Like, look at this person. He's killing it. Yep. Is starting to go the other way. Like there's, you know, you can start to see maybe some shame for the oversized SUV and the, uh, a car that's like, why would you have a Mercedes? Like a Hyundai's just as good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, what else could you be doing with that money? Like, I think as as younger generations are having a little bit trouble, like finding that same degree of opulence. Um, and I don't. I guess I'm. I. If I'm being honest, I'm a little nervous about it. I don't know. I like, like I said last week, I, I kind of understand the individualist approach. And it's, it's kind of weird to get to this place where you, you want to vilify the obvious success. Because for all the things that a billionaire could be doing with their money, and, like, I think there's a lot of good arguments to, like, talk about that. Like, for the most part, they looked at the world laid out before them, and, you know, they made some hay. And I think a lot of the things we worry about, which is, like, we see all the the faults in the system. Right. Like if you're talking about agribusiness and you talk about like depleting monoculture crops or like killing cows or like the steroid stuff they do to chickens, like it's it's barbarism. Yeah. And so you look at you look at the the corporations and the CEOs and uh, you look at the conditions their workers are in and you're just like, these guys are evil. Right. And I totally understand how you can think that way. But I also think that people used to just starve and die. And now in this country, for the most part, like, I don't, I don't know the stats, but, like, not that many people die of starvation. Yeah. You know? It's not a leading cause. It, I think heart attacks, oddly enough, <laughs> the, the opposite, other end of the, the spectrum. Yeah, right, right, right. So we, we solved so, one problem. It's like, a, it's like a cartoon where they're, putting their hand over one hole in the boat and another hole pops up the other side. (laughs) Exactly. So I, I just think when it comes to these conversations, it's easy to look at the system and it's not unlike like looking at a football team that passes all the time. And you're like, look at all these effing interceptions. Like, why don't they run the ball once in a while? It's like, well, passing has been proven to be more productive. Like you just shouldn't have a run heavy offense anymore. You know, not if you want to put the ball in the end zone. Right. And so I think it's a pessimistic viewpoint to say, like, these people are the problem. Like, the success is not the problem. The problem is that we haven't completely innovated. We haven't thoroughly finished the idea. Like, pulling oil from the ground to power a machine that can allow a man to travel hundreds of miles 
in a day is incredible. Yeah. The fact that we then found out like it puts some, you know, carbon dioxide in the air and it turns out that carbon dioxide and mass has a heating effect on the earth and creates this canopy like that that is unfortunate. Yeah. Right? Could like, not have, who could have seen that coming? Could not and have now we know yeah. yeah. Yeah, now we know and we need to fix it, but the way isn't for us to like regress back into cavemen. The way is to figure out how do we process that. And like I'm just a big believer in in we're not finished yet. And I don't like being one of the people who just like bails because they don't have the answer and maybe that's dumb because like you know i'm just walking towards the cliff and everybody's like hey you should probably stop walking bro but what do you think about this that's where i'm at and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna box you into a um a corner of try it do you try it i'm like a mongoose when i'm cornered. i'm wearing a tank top dude you do not want to mess with me tonight <laughs> all right it's from 2017 Hawaiian uh, volleyball tournament. Do not mess with hey, me man. tonight. Your, your shoulders look great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Been working on it. 100 push-ups a day. Sometimes. Some, yeah, every, every, every now and then. Every week. Yeah. So uh, I won't box you into like, do you believe that climate change is a real thing or, you know, uh, or, or whatever. But let's just say, you know, all, all of the, the, you know, the scientists say, based on climate change, we could have an existential meltdown by like 2050, 2055. That mm. sounds like a fake number, but then when you just pull back and do the math, it's like 30 years. Yep. So, uh, look, quick sidebar joke, us millennials will get effed over again. It's like we're finally reaching retirement age and we're like, <laughs> ah, and the stock market's going to crash in 2055 and like we're we're going to go to the beach and if there's going to be no beach, the beach will be like uh uh, you know, it'll be as far in as Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, but, dude, Miami's toast. Yeah, yeah, Miami, New York City, you know, whatever. I hear Erie's nice this time of year. But when so, sometimes I think about that existential threat and like, okay, if they are right and we have not – because you're right. We cr- we got oil out of the ground and we figured out how to make it power cars and planes and train all these different things. Now we have, you know, electric – vehicles but a lot of the research shows that the the ore mining for those batteries is just as catastrophic if not worse to the earth's you know to the earth um and so maybe that's not the right direction what is the i don't i don't know what the right direction is but let but sometimes i catch myself looking at 30 years i'll be alive (laughs) and if that is the case holy shit like I don't know what to do with that with that possibility. I think my thought on this is one, like I I 100% buy all the the climate change. Uh part of the reason I I went vegan for lunch in the year 2020 was because I read a book by Jonathan Safran Foer called We Are the Weather. Yeah. He oh, also yeah. Pr- he also produced a documentary Uh, eating animals with Natalie Portman. And, uh, you know, it's just all about like the crazy amounts of pollution that are put into, into the air by big agribusiness. Sure. And talking about like how we, we think of it as being like 
you know, people driving their cars and stuff. And like, that's true. But as an individual, like you're actually doing as much damage by like eating meat three meals a day as you are driving your car 20 miles every day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of interesting takes on it and I buy it all. I like, I think the toughest thing about being a, a human being with a moral compass is that if you think hard enough on any topic, there is a trade-off for all of it. Yeah. You know, perfect example, like, uh, when Katie and I were attending church regularly, uh, before the kids, we, you know, would, would many times walk out of, uh, out of a service on Sunday and Katie would be like, you know, don't you think like, if we really believe this, we should just be like, why aren't we finding the countries on earth and like flying there ourselves to tell people? And it's like, I, hey, I don't know. I don't got an answer for you. Yeah. Like, if the, what is the depth of your belief, really? And so, like, with the climate change thing, there's, there's trade-off in all of our decisions. And it's very hard to live a modern life. Like, I got lights on right now. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm tapping into the grid. Uh, so, I think the thing that people do really poorly is project. You know, everything has gone this way up till now. Right. And what we're really bad at is projecting what will be different. Like, there were articles in the the early 90s, like, kind of around the Gulf War, like the cover of Time magazine with, like, the, the fuel gauge on E, like, the world is out of oil. Right. And then, like, you know, eight years later, fracking happens, and it's like, we'll never run out of oil. Right. It's hundreds of years left. And it's just that... Like, to my point about the atom, like, things, there is so much energy around us. We just have to figure out how to harness it. And when you talk about things like carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, the technology to resolve that has existed since the beginning of the planet. We just haven't figured out how to take what plants do and trees do and mechanize it so that it does it we can do it artificially at an even higher level. Yeah. And if we were able to do that, we would deflate the, the crisis right away. So like these technological leaps, like they tend to happen and it changes the entire landscape of what we think about the human race and these things that we thought were going to, to cripple us and make us implode don't come to be. And that's like the, the trajectory. Now, like, I, I think we'll figure those things out. I'm not afraid of the things that are slowly creeping. I'm much more afraid of just like, you know, a meteor hitting the earth. <laughs> well, like, dude, I mean, you know, you know, you know what spurred this up for me today is I was just, um, so I, you know, as you know, I still use Yahoo Mail because I just don't want to migrate my stuff over. So, as a byproduct, I have to look at Yahoo News, um, <laughs> and and I see this article that pops up and it says that. Uh, moon's wobble may trigger severe flooding in the mid 2030s. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, okay, <laughs> hey, like it's a decade away, and what am I going to do about it? Fly up there and stop the moon from getting its wobble on? Like, if the moon wants to wobble, baby, the moon is going to wobble, and life will be what life will be. I don't know. Like NASA warns of moon's wobble. 
Okay, what do you want me to do with that information? Surf's up. Like I don't, I don't, I don't know. Dude, just just stress out about it. It's like, so. oh my gosh. But anyway, I, I had one question, um, and then we can get into our segments for the week. This yep. is the the question, and maybe it's just a. I'm just gonna make a statement and get your your hot take on it. We did. I didn't prepare you for this, but he's a, he's a regular listener. Um. Uh, Mike Morales, he is uh, runs a great company here, Wolfgang Bakery. If you have not checked them out, they deliver all my dog food. Oh, yeah, yeah, they deliver all my like, they deliver all the dog food on regular intervals, and uh, just a good guy, good family. So Wolfgang, they, they have a couple of locations. That was a mini plug. I didn't plan on doing that, but does he run the one in Village District? Uh, yes, he does. I yep. could change. I've been. Uh, I just pick up my grocery food when I or my dog food when I hit the grocery store. But like they deliver it, it and is, there's no cost. Man, that one in Village District, it's like a tenth of a mile from my front door. You can just throw that fifty pounder on your it. back and just walk on over there. Yeah, I'll just I'll just make it a part of like the yoke work. At yeah. The my yes. Workout. What's the biggest bag you got, Mike? We got You can take two fifty pounder. You can just buy a lot of mums. <laughs> Load up. me up. Um, anyway, he said uh, he wants us to take on big milk. <laughs> what, what is your take on big milk? <laughs> he said he, he just said so. Th- this was a conversation we had. He said, "What do people who are lactose do to keep their bones healthy, or did big milk just get in the ear of uh, of the uh, you know the food pyramid and say people need milk for calcium? Because lactose people don't walk around with their bones breaking." Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh... Big milk got birthed from from cows, and I find them utterly ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, you're not going to recover from that one. <laughs> you know, I don't... Uh, first of all, I don't think that milk does anything to strengthen bones. Okay. Like, it's total... Like, calcium does have some effect, but it's such a limited effect. Like, I don't love the... The vegan documentaries, um, what the hell? What the hell and yeah. That that other one that came out recently, the the game changers. Oh yeah, game changers. Yeah, but they do get some of the nutrition stuff pretty, pretty dead on. Which is like, you'll have strong bones without milk. What do you think? Like humankind did when there weren't cows yeah. around, right? Like they were fine. And there's like calcium is pretty omnipresent in implant diets which everybody has access to so yes big milk is a liar i don't i don't know i don't know how they got so much money like the milk lobby must be nuts yeah milk yeah when you when you think about all those got milk splash pages and sports illustrated they got big mark mcguire up there with a with a milk mustache who, like, who did better, money. The, the marketing for Big Milk or Big Grain just putting themselves right down there at the bottom of the food pyramid, 11 servings a day or a week, whatever? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, man, who did better? I kind of like the way Big Grain went about it. <laughs> it's a little more subtle and scientific <laughs> backing. <laughs> Yeah, big milk basically bought their way 
to the top. Like they saw what was going on with like the malpractice and nutrition information. And they're like, let's ride this train. I just don't understand. But, I, I don't understand how, like how, how did we get duped? Like, how do we get so duped to say, you know, what's better for you than stuff that just occurs naturally in the, in the world is stuff that we manufacture. It's grain, whole grain. Like We got duped. Did you, did you uh, listen to In Defense of Food yet? No, it's on the list. It's uh, it gets into all the history about how like nutrition is basically. I don't want to call it like fake or made up. Yeah, but like there's so much individual bio variability and in, like what your particular body needs, and so much of like the genius of the human body is. As long as you don't overburden it, as long as you don't give it too much to process, mm-hmm. it does a pretty fantastic job of turning whatever you eat into what you need. I've, so, I've found that, and that's anecdotally just th- through doing intermittent fasting. I'm certainly missing probably fi- four or 500 calories a day. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not eating two eggs plus a bunch of egg whites. I'm probably supplementing with like an extra protein shake a day, but my protein intake is probably down. My overall calorie intake is probably down. And as far as like, um, weight, weightlifting performance and overall like body composition. I don't, I've, I haven't done like an actual test, but I don't see that much of a change. And I've been doing this for like two or three months now. No, and that's kind of what in in defense of food gets into too is like so I I originally got suckered by the body's needs when I was getting into lifting through high school football and then like into college like I read uh with my roommates read like the Arnold Schwarzenegger oh yeah bodybuilding encyclopedia mm-hmm. like all that stuff and they get you with this like you need a a gram of protein per pound of body weight right like if you really want to build muscle and maybe there is some truth to that when you're like at the elite level and you're trying to like, you need every little bit, but I actually think the body just kind of adapts to its needs. And I had a, a good friend of mine from college, Ben Spann. He visited like a couple weekends ago yeah. and the guy looks, he looks great. He's in fantastic shape. You know, he's probably like 6'2", 220, uh, hardly any fat on him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's saying like, it's like, yeah, I, I probably have about 1,700 calories a day. He's like, yeah, I'll splurge one day on the weekend, but I hardly eat at all. Like, here's, I eat this same meal every day and told me all it was, like rice, lean chicken, some broccoli, right? It's like just a very lean, regular food and never breaks over 2,000 calories for a guy that big. Yeah. And he's fine. He's in, like his brother was asking about it. He's like, I can't figure out. And he had the same take. He was like, look, your, your body doesn't need that much. Just don't overtax it. Don't give it more than it can process and it will turn what you give it into what you need. And then it's just, what do you do? Like, are you doing traditional bodybuilding type of workouts? 
-hmm. Like that'll give you hypertrophy and like your muscles will adapt to be that thing, which looks the way a bodybuilder looks. Or are you doing, you know, long distance running, in which case like your body's going to deplete all that fuel and you'll end up like a skinny person because you need to be light and you won't carry any weight in your shoulders. Like, I just don't think it's, it's as complicated nutritionally as everybody makes it. Yeah. So big milk, big milk. <laughs> they could stop it. Water, water's better for you anyway. Water is better for you anyway. <laughs> we should go in deep on big milk. Let's do a special bonus episode someday soon where we've really done the research on big milk. Let's do it. I'm in for that. All right. Um, let's see. Segments. Just don't Google big milk. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I, won't, I won't name this friend, but... <laughs> and. The fact that my mind went here, I, I'm ashamed. But uh, he, he said a great idea for a porn site would be two months pregnant. He's like, oh, man. You can edit that out? <laughs> I don't know. We'll probably leave it. Um, let's go with the segment. Hey, I didn't say it. It's true. I just repeated it's it. It's true. Shoot the messenger. Um, where I didn't bring the card out. Let me find... You want me to read All it? All right. I got it. I got it. I got it. The We're Not Really Strangers, Self-Reflection Edition, Question of the Week. Who do I envy? Why do I envy them? I will lead off if you want me to. And it'll, I'll probably be Hit pretty it. short-winded. Keep us, keep I'll us, try to keep it tight, Keep too. us at a tight yeah. window this, this time, so we're not going Rogan-style 90 minutes. Didn't record so. the finals. Actually, I'm going to talk to Rogan a little bit in this in my answer. Okay. Who do I envy? What do I envy about them? So, based on a lot of self work, uh, there, there's not a specific person that I'm like envious of. And the self work has really, not, not just the self work, but also the family around me has made me just realize I, I like my life and I like who I am. So the combination of having a great, just a wonderful wife working on my own inner demons has put me at a comfortable space. So to point to somebody and say that, that guy or that gal, they, they just got it right. They have it. They have it good. doesn't really happen for me anymore. Whether they have, someone has a bigger house or a bigger, better car or whatever, you know, makes more money in a year, whatever. But there are fragments that I see in people that I'm like, I want, maybe it's not envy. It's probably more like I aspire to be. So there, you know, I think mm-hmm. envy connotates negativity, maybe hatred. Um, more so like when I see something, I'm like, I like that in that person. And I aspire to, to, to work towards that. And, um, one one is absolutely my brother and his ability to just do stuff. Like we have a couple of fans sitting downstairs that I needed to install. I open the packaging. I look at the instructions. I'm like step one. I'm lost. I don't even want to tackle this because I don't want to get this X hundred dollar fan all put together, try to hang it and cut the cords too short. And then I'm screwed with this fan. So I, 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 
it's not envy, but I aspire or I respect my brother's ability to just take something and just go figure it out and just go do it. Similarly, and, and Annie brought this up because we, we talked about this before. And this is maybe more of a broad brushstroke. It's a, it's a character trait in many people that I see that I'm like, I'm, I like that and I'm working towards that. Is just the ability to go with it. Her dad is an amazing example of this where, you know, and, and my dad growing up was an example of this. We could be, it didn't matter where we were, what we were doing, what was going on. They can just roll with the punches and make a time out of it. And, you know, for someone that has a need to like plan and control uh, that th- there's there's a piece of that that feels like it looks like it would feel so relieving, so very very Jack Pearson like. So mm-hmm. anyway, you know, it, so it's it's not necessarily like I said, it's not it's not envy. It's not like oh, I'm 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 mad that, that person has that and I don't have that. It's more like I want to model what I'm doing to reach that level, and I need to take those steps. So that's my answer to that question. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. You know, based on your answer, I think you would absolutely love a share from the jog father who answered the question this way. Envy no one, aspire to be like many. Most people haven't worked hard enough to envy. Ah, the jog father. He is still just plodding along, isn't he? He's unstoppable, man. It's it's so impressive. (laughs) Slight envy there. Uh, My answer is not very different than yours. I I think one of the benefits of like really knowing yourself, like, and some of this is done through therapy. Some of this is done through a craft conversation. But if you've really taken the time to like examine your life, you understand your choices and why you are where you're at. Like to our point about everything has trade-offs. I... Like, the reason my life is shaped the way it is right now, and this wouldn't have been true, like, even five years ago. I kind of stumbled into things. But, you know, a few years of intention, it's mostly the life I have, I have tried to build. Like, and I'm, I, I mostly like it. Well, isn't it true, though? I don't want to interrupt you, but I'm going to. Isn't it, isn't it true, though, that, <laughs> we're, one, we're in it. that once you have that presence of mind that, your life is what you build that regardless of like, if you have the presence of mind, then regardless of where you're at, you know that that, that you are what got you there in some capacity. Yeah. Right. You know, I guess yeah, if you there's... set, if you set goals and stuff like that, but you know, if you have that, that mindset, it's like, well, I'm where I am. What I've, what me and my, the people around me have done to get here is what got me here. And anyway, yeah, no, there's an attachment. Like, there's there's some movies that are this way, right? Like, It's a Wonderful Life is kind of this way. Like, you great know, movie. A great movie. There's there's a movie called The Words where, like, this guy, I guess I, it's a Bradley Cooper movie. Uh, Bradley Cooper, Dennis Quaid, um, Zoe Saldana. I probably know the whole cast. You know why? I'm, you know why? Oh, I, know I know why you do, because you know movies. <laughs> That's right, baby. But... In the words, like, this guy is a struggling writer, and he just, like, 
he happens to come across this old manuscript that never got published. It was like lost in some, I don't know, some luggage or storage or something. And he reads it. It's the best thing he's ever read. And he tries to research it. Can't find anything of it anywhere. Just some guy lost his manuscript. So he writes it up in fresh copy, puts his own name on it. It's his. And it ends up haunting him. You know, he he never actually become became the great writer. He just became the person that people thought was a great writer. Mm. But he knows the difference. Yeah, Like that connection to your own lived life and the entirety of the path is really key to having satisfaction with who you are in the present and why you're doing the thing you're doing right now. Like, why am I having this conversation? Why do I work the job I work? Uh, that said, yeah, envy creeps up on me like it does with anybody. Um, sometimes it's completely harmless. It's a good thing. Like, uh, you know, I think the thing that would be most cool about being famous, like if I was famous, I would instantly like parlay that fame into something like Joe Rogan or Dax Shepard do, because I would love to be able to just talk to anybody that I find interesting. Yeah. You know, it's like Dax Shepard has talked to like presidents, like uh, Nobel winning scientists, like any, any topic he has, like he has enough of like a platform that anybody with a brand or an agenda is going to talk to him. And so he was like, like the guy on punked, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And up amazing. the river, I think was another one. So like. There's some some envy that occasionally, but that's mostly benign. The ones that the first time I ever felt like harmful envy, I that I really recall was when I was probably in middle school, and I was just like trying to figure out who I was. Like mm-hmm. I, I still felt really like I don't know insecure around people, and at the same time, like my older brother was. Uh, probably junior, senior in high school, and he's he's getting like nominated to homecoming court. He's being like a first team All State football player, like and people just and to me it seemed like like there was this huge gap between us. Yeah, and like he had all these things that like this this cool and this popularity, and like I I kind of wanted those things because what it really looked like to me was that he was secure and confident and he liked who he was. And now the years have gone by and like I like who I am and like all those things seem kind of silly and I don't I don't feel that gap between us. Like I feel more and more like he and I are very similar people. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. I I I feel it when like we talked about like that that book Matt Haig, The Midnight Library. I feel it from certain authors. Yeah. I weirdly only feel it come up on things that I'm already actually kind of proud of myself for. Like I think I'm pretty good at this thing, but then I see somebody else who's yeah. getting like adoration or accolades and then like I don't know, it it like corrupts my thing. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I think I recognize it and it's, I, I don't feel very afflicted by, by envy. Yeah. It's a good question. It is. It was, it was good to think through. Yeah. You know, if I'd say if you're out there and you have a singular person 
that you're like, man, I wish I had their life. Like that's, that's trouble. You need to, you need yeah. to start talking to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we, this whole episode, somehow we've ended up talking about like trade-offs in every situation. Right. I mean, everyone's got something, you know, everyone's dealing with something. That's a fact. All right. Recommendations. I'm just going to be short and sweet here. Do it. Watch Harry Potter. Oh, did you start? We are three and a half. We're three and a half in. And I thought. That makes me so happy. Oh, man. I love it. We love we We have just been binging it probably like 30 to 60 minutes at a time. But uh, we jumped from HBO Max to Peacock. Now we're paying for Peacock again. <laughs> but it is. The storytelling is great. It's much darker than I expected. Um, and y- you just kind of get lost in the whimsical nature of it. So, yeah, watch Harry Potter. And I, that might seem stupid. Like, everyone's like, I've seen Harry Potter. But the people of our age group probably weren't flocking to the theaters in college to see Harry Potter. So we, we might have mm-hmm. missed a good one. A lot of us, including myself. So yeah, watch Harry Potter. It's it's on, a pr- so it's on Peacock, four ninety nine free trial. You can finish it in a month. Is uh, what else is on Peacock? Bundle my interest here. Um, uh, oh shoot, um, I can't think of the name of it. The the ranch with Kevin Costner. The ranch Yellowstone. Show. Yellowstone's on there. Oh, I need to binge Yellowstone. Uh, Ye- Yellowstone is fantastic. Yellowstone, another one, probably a recommendation from the pod. Fantastic. And then The Office is on there, but The Office got a lot of run on Netflix, and you know, I think I've probably watched it three or four times all the way through. I think I'm People good. have done that work. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm good. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to recommend this, but just because you threw out Yellowstone, I, I am coming out early with a recommendation that might be pretty weak. Okay. About five episodes into a little uh, TNT family crime drama that has been running for about five seasons called Animal Kingdom. Never heard of it. I saw a whole bunch of ads during the NBA Finals and playoffs, and it reminded me a lot of Sons of Anarchy, which I thought was fantastic. Okay. And so far, halfway through the first season, Katie and I are of the same mindset. We're like, you know, (laughs) this is... We're really enjoying this. It's on Netflix? And it's... Uh, it is on Amazon Prime. Okay. You can watch it all on Prime. But, uh, if you like any of these, like, family crime shows, which Yellowstone is by the guy who wrote a lot of Sons of Anarchy. Okay. Uh. Bloodline, Yellowstone, those type, that, that size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if that's your kind of thing, this is set in Southern LA and it's, uh, kind of like a woman who cobbled together an adoptive family and now they're grown, but they they run they run a pretty seedy operation. It's a bunch of like man children still under their their mother's thumb as they run jobs. So it's a uh, it's TVMA all the way. Well. I just so, sent just my wife a message and said, have you ever heard of the show Animal Kingdom? So we'll see. Because she loves Sons of Anarchy. I, I never watched it. So 
Yeah, it's it's got a lot of Suns vibes. Okay. So if you if you're into that, you'll be into this, and it's just one of those things that I don't know. It's pulp, man. It just sucks you in. Yeah, that's fine. You need that. <sighs> All right. Um, I was going to throw out more of these as a third segment, but I'm just going to do one. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna see how it sits okay. as a segment. We can keep it short, and uh, you know we'll we'll see if we do more of it. But I'm going to read to you one of the items on the 100 skills list for things I would like to make sure my children can do capably before they're out of the house at 18 years yeah, of age. Yeah, okay. I like this. And I'm going to pull out one that I don't know belongs, but it's on the brainstorm list. Should be an easy one to tackle quickly. Change a tire. Seems like a no brainer. <laughs> Seems like a no brainer. How many times Does have you changed even... a tire in your life, though? Here's the thing not many. And when I got to Raleigh and I had no money and I was driving a really terrible car, the tires were shot and I knew it. It was like I was reinflating the tire about once a month <laughs> because it would seep air. But I didn't have the money to buy a new tire. I was like, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. I drove it till it finally popped on me in a gas station parking lot. Yeah. And just like I heard it. Yeah. And uh, I had to ask the gas station attendant like to call the owner and see if I could leave my car there overnight. <laughs> and then I had to get a friend, one Ryan Waters, who talk about a guy who will just drop everything for you. That's why they call him the captain. Who brought the tools because I didn't even own the stuff to change the tire. Usually it comes with the car, but this this will help paint the picture of the type of car you were driving. (laughs) (laughs) With used seems like a kind word. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely used vehicle. Uh, And he even brought a spare. He... He helps out with it, and like I've changed tires since, but and I know I know I was taught at some point it just like it didn't stick, yeah, there wasn't so anyway, here's why I don't think it should be on the list. We'll see it's there now because I don't have the full list built out, but I think it's one of those things that just will kind of get absorbed by something larger. Maybe it's pretty important. How many tires have you had to change? Um, in in like a necessary dire situation, one. But I did like you know back when I had my my car with like the ground effects, the lowered, all that stuff. <laughs> we used to take them off. Like my dad would help me take them off and you know help me change. Basically, he would change the you know the brakes and the rotors and all that stuff. Because I again going back to my previous thing, I'm not mechanically inclined, but I would help him jack it up and take it off and stuff. We were driving to Maryland, uh, me and Annie, and we're we're on 95, one of the busiest roads in America, and boom. So I'm call. It's it's like a Saturday morning at like you know 8 a.m. and I'm calling gas stations. I'm like, we just had a blowout. I'm calling it a blowout. It was just ended up just being a pop tire, and I'm trying to get like this snow tire that it's the middle of summer. What is the difference? A blowout would be like the entire. Like, like a blowout would be the tire is gone. Like it popped and there's a giant 
hole in it and it's coming unraveled. Mm. Gotcha. I just ran over some road trash and it punctured and the road trash came out and the thing lost there. So, but I'm sitting on the side of 95 and I'm, you know, me and Annie, we, I don't, I can't remember if we were just dating. I'd have to look back at the year. If we were married with a kid on the, I I, want to say we had just maybe engaged at best. And so I'm like, I got to prove something to prove. Yeah, I got to prove. And, and I'm like nervous as hell because, you know, like I said, I haven't really changed it on the side of a highway. It's a newer car. I, I don't know even know where the pieces are. But I did it. Are the, are the cars just zooming by? You're like, Oh, my ah. God, dude. Tractor trailers just coming by. <laughs> like, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm going to die on the side of this road. But we got it. So, you know, maybe it's something that. It, it's definitely a a uh, it's a good tool to have in the tool bag. Even if you just take your car outside and you take the tire off and show them how to use the jack, then yeah. I think it's a good thing. Or you're going to pay for AAA right. for him for a while. All right, it's on the list for now. There it is. Is is it? Is it gets filled out? Maybe uh, maybe a year from now, I'll give you the heartbreaking news. Hey, man. Change a tire. Hey, look, your Didn't kids are going to call. Car. Look. Yeah, when Walter's calling my boys to help him come change his tire. <laughs> hey, he should be so lucky. Friends like that. <laughs> That's right. All right, brother. Enjoyed it, dude. Another five-star podcast. Easily. 5.1 if I could give it. Man, just it feels like it deserves every every decimal point. Yeah, it does. Just like Trump. Hey, enjoy, enjoy the uh, enjoy the game tonight. Uh, All right, man. Talk to you See later, you, man.